I went into business straight away. No business plan, no marketing, no nothing. Started it within one week. And I just thought, how do I do that? And even I pinch myself and think, would I do that now? I don't know. <laughs> I think as I got older, I've been, I feel I've been more conscious of things around me. Whereas I think when I was younger, I was more like, let's do this. And I, I want to bring that back into adult life. And I wish, and I'm working on it. I'm really working it. I wish I was a bit more, yeah, let's do this. Let's go for it. But me, I'm. you give, you present something to me. I need to check it. I need to make that sure that all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed. And, and so that it takes long. And I've missed out on opportunities because of that. We want the rewards, but we have to understand the risk, the risk and the repercussions. So I always talk about, you can't always want the rewards and not prepared for the repercussions. And welcome to Everyday Leadership, a podcast where you get to listen and learn how to lead yourself personally and professionally through the lessons and life experiences my guests share in the hope that it challenges and inspires you to lead yourself from the inside out and not the outside in. Welcome back to another episode of Everyday Leadership. And today I have a friend in the house. Um, Actually, we've met, funny enough, on Clubhouse. Like, I was was thinking about this, and I was like, wait a minute, Clubhouse? That all during the pandemic. That's where I met um, my guest, which is someone that I've seen online, someone that I've followed, someone that um, is amazing at what she does. And I know we're going to have a great conversation. So I want to ask Michelle Raymond, can you introduce yourself to the audience, please? <laughs> Thank you, first of all, for having me on here. I feel honoured. It's been a long time coming. We've been going back and forth. We found a date. We found a date. <laughs> so um, who is Michelle Raymond? Yes, the enigma that feels like she does everything, but yet doesn't do as much as people think that she does. So um, I started off, well, let's start with what I love. I am firstly a mother and a wife. That's the first thing. And apart from all those goodness, I'm also, uh, my background in HR. So that's what I'm known for. Even though I don't really do HR anymore, I'm still known for HR. Uh, and I've been in that field for over 20 years, though I can understand why it's still following me around. But I have definitely transitioned into leadership and leadership diversity and inclusion. That's my bag. That's what I do. That's what I love. And and apart from obviously running programs and trainings and doing keynotes for a number of organizations, I'm not going to go through the long list of them, but if you want me to, I can mention Amazon. I can mention Ministry of Justice and Comic Relief. Yeah, just some of those names. <laughs> and Lloyd's Banking Group, Deloitte. I could go on. But all jokes aside, what I love to do is work with organisations that don't want to just do the diversity inclusion lip service, but they really want to impact change. They really do. And they are happy or willing to go through the difficulties, the challenges, having those conversations to really make change. And I do that and I love what I do. And that's led me to so many different avenues. But I also am a lecturer in university. So I currently run the Emerging Leadership Program for UCL. I also do executive coaching for the senior leaders. So this is all for the faculty. So this is for the managers and the profession services research department. So I run the Emerging Leadership Program. I facilitate that. And I also am a mentor for their senior women in leadership as well. So, yeah, uh, but it's all around leadership and it's all around diversity and inclusion. And that's my bag. And that's what I love to do. That's me. Not a lot. She's she's, 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 she's got business. She's not doing much. Oh, and I sing as well. Yeah. And I sing as well. I don't want to forget. I keep forgetting that. But there isn't there's a fun and creative side for me. And I do sing. And I, I've sang for the likes of uh Stormzy. I've done Kylie Minogue. I've done Madonna. I've done Rod Stewart. 
And I've done, you know, a few programs, you know, when you just got like a few singers in in the wings and that's been us. But yeah, it's been me. So yeah, that's what I do as well. I love to do that. I love to do that. And she's also an awesome supporter. So, you know, you know, you know, I, I just had to mention that, right? But let's grab out there. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, I'm going to have to get a start there. Um, obviously, you said you sing, and that's something that you've done for years. How come you never actually went into that full time? Do you know what? Because I've never really seen myself as a really great singer. My voice is so different from other people's, and I think, oh my god, I don't really fit the the trend of singers. I've got a very old school gospel church voice, so. I am, it doesn't lend itself well to the trend of all the trills and all the pop trendy. And uh, so if they want you like an old school singer, then yeah, I, I'm your woman. Ed. So I've never really gone into it full time. Uh, I've always done part time in like, uh, and I will, I've got like a gig coming up soon where I'm running just to Barcelona for a few days to sing at a wedding and just doing like little bits and bobs I do corporate events so we've done some rival calls he's had a private party and I sang there ended up on the front of the Daily Mail didn't realize how I got on there I was um playing a tambourine in the air and I was dancing with some model I didn't even know who the model was but it was actually Jordan Dunn I didn't know who she was and so yeah I ended up on the front of the Daily Mail of um singing at Michael Cause's private function so but yeah, I only go into it full time. It takes a lot of work, and I just nah, nah. I'm happy to be called when they need somebody. So, was um a younger Michelle like? Let's go back to like a a ten year old Michelle. Just the same. Do you know? I don't think I've changed much at all. I've always been hugely ambitious. I always like to lead from the front, and nothing has changed. When I was ten, uh, we were raised in church. And I always used to, we had, back in the day, in old school church, they used to have like testimony service, testimonial services. And I used to always testify. I was on the choir when I was younger. And when I was younger, I wanted to be a journalist, actually. And I wanted to write and report about things that people just didn't want to report about. But I knew that they should be visible and so I started off doing like journalism at first and then I thought, God, there's no money in this. I'm I'm off. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then I found my way into HR. But yeah, 10 year old Michelle was very much, I just feel like I'm the 40 plus bat version uh, of the 10 year old Michelle. Definitely. Wow. So you've never been, there was a bit out there, extroverted, full of energy, Focus on what you want to do and just completely go after it. Yes. I had a plan. And you know what? I, I swear I've trained up my daughter the same. She's 17 now. She is the same. And she writes everything down. She plans. She's got this board. Um, and she's then done like vision boards and stuff. But she's probably heard, you know, on the grapevine. So I've seen in her room, she's got a board of all the things that she plans to do. We drive past buildings and what day she said, you see that building? I'm going to purchase that building because I'm going to put on a performing arts centre for underrepresented young people. And, you know, she's so gung-ho about it. So that's what she's saving her money to buy this building. Wow. I love that. I love that ambition. Like, yep, I've got that target in front of me and I'm going to make it happen regardless of me young hit. And just I'm curious, what is that, which you're ready to do to your daughter, but what is that? confidence that courage that gusto to like i got a plan i'm gonna go after it i'm gonna make it happen where did that come from i would say from two places so i was raised by a very powerful woman my mother is my first role model and she's exactly the same to be fair my husband when he married me 14 he married me my mother and my daughter because we all come as one package we come as one package and everything I've learned, I've definitely got from her. Uh, from early, you know, she was a single parent and she put me through private school. She put me through elocution lessons, singing lessons, horse riding lessons. And she just wanted to make a better life for me. And that's just led, and I've just done the same for my own daughter. And she's always said to me, just go and get it. And do you know what? 
even though I'd profess to be confident, I'm not all the time. And sometimes I doubt myself. Sometimes I have these feelings of imposter syndrome. I had it last week. And my mum's always been the one, but Michelle, we need to put on an event. And so I'm working on this event. And she goes, you can't get that building because it doesn't say Michelle. You know, you got to go out there and I want you to put your best foot first. And, and I need that because sometimes, even with the best will in the world, we're not always that confident, that, that energetic and bubbly, extroverted person. And my mum's always been, and she's such a praying woman as well. So she prays that God orders my steps. So, yeah, that, I get it totally from her. And obviously I was brought up and raised in church. So I can't forget that God has definitely instilled something within me. And I feel, and I'm sure we'll go into it, but I really do believe that I have, I'm here for a purpose. I'm actually ordained to do what I'm doing. So I can't shy away from it. I can't hide away. I can't do something else because I believe so strongly that God has placed me here for a reason. And when it's my time to go, I'm ready because I would have done what I was ordained to do. No one can't do what I do. No one else has been given the vision that God has given me, literally has given me, and I have to do it. So that's what I'm here to do, and I've got to do it. What do you then do when that purpose seems shaky or the path to get to that purpose seems shaky? Because you've had some really tough challenges and the come up in, in your journey. So what were you doing? How were you coping in that, in that period, in that season? Because I'm thinking of even right now where to the wider world, there's so much stuff happening around us, whether it's um, the economy, whether it's a positive living crisis, all that kind of stuff. People feel like I just can't get through this period right now. So in what I'm going to call your, your valley moment, when you were going to something that could really, that shut someone down completely because it was not easy and it wasn't, anything to do with a fall of your own, but you have to go through that. How did you navigate then? Yeah, and, and definitely, that is definitely called the valley experience. When I think about, uh, so just for context for any of your listeners or viewers who may not know the story, I've done a TEDx talk about it, so feel free to, to watch that. But I share my journey of being married, so I'm on my second marriage, folks, but the first marriage, you know, I lived that idyllic life and I thought everything was going great. And I did not realize that my then husband was living a different life, uh, a completely different lifestyle. And it impacted me. It impacted my mental health. It, it meant it impacted my well-being, uh, my physicality, just how I was. My whole character just changed completely. And I became very much invisible. So my... Um, husband at the, the time was accused and found guilty of some of the most heinous crimes against children and that led to his uh, subsequently led to his imprisonment he's now out and living his life but at that time I went through such the darkest periods of my life and I just thought to myself how do I get out of this and I became so invisible to the point that I remember going to court and they wanted to hear from everybody else and no one wanted to hear how I felt. Nobody asked, but Michelle, how are you coping? All they wanted to know is, is it true? Do you believe it? Do you think he did it? That's all people wanted to know. And they never, nobody was really interested in hearing how I'm coping with it. And I had a small child, a young child at the time, how I'm protecting her from all of this. And so through that time, and I remember... I remember specifically, I started to blame myself and think, well, I'm the wife. How comes I didn't notice all what was going on? And how can I say that I'm a God-fearing person? How can I say this? And I can't even see what's happening in my own home. And so I felt a lot of guilt around it. And I remember being in church and one of the pastor at the time said to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, when he said that, you know, I heard this scripture many times before, but it just dropped in my spirit that particular day. And I thought, it's me. It's a mindset shift. It's a mindset change and transformation. I need a whole 100% change because I need to get out of this because I, I wasn't eating well. And I obviously wasn't going to work as often as I could. I wasn't washing. 
social services got involved. They were coming to my home and they wanted to see if I had food in my cupboards to feed my daughter. So all of this was happening. I thought, I've got to get out of this state. I've got to get out of this. And I said to God, if you get me out of this, when you get me out of this, I promise that I will never become invisible again. And I will make sure that other people do not stay invisible. And that has driven my purpose. And that's why I know I do what I do. I'm not doing it for myself. I'm doing it because there's other women who have been shied away. There's other women who are in situations which is not even their fault. They haven't even caused it themselves. But they are hiding. They are dimming their lights. They are not speaking up. They don't have a voice. They're not empowered. And I feel like what I have to do is going to allow you, you know, I'm almost giving permission for other women to have a voice, to have a seat at the table to, or to bring their own table. And so the, I can only do that in my own little way. And I feel like even those times that I think, oh, why am I doing it? And even this event that I'm putting on, I really don't want to do it. I really don't want to do it. I'm just going to put it out there. So what are you doing it? <laughs> me, I don't want to do it, you know, because I'm just in a whole aha, but me, I like to rock up and speak at an event. I don't want to have to hold my own event. But I know that, Michelle, if I do this, it's going to open the door for so many other people and I have to do it. So, you know, I'm putting on a smile and and I feel that because God has all day me to do it, it's his responsibility to help me get through this. And he has. And so, you know, uh, so when I'm having those down days, I have to remember what my purpose is. Why am I here? Am I here just for myself? I'm not here for the vanity metrics of the likes and the comments and the follows. If I get nothing of that, I know I'm already being followed. I'm already being supported. I've already got my likes and my comments for the people that matter. That's that's what it comes down to. It did take your time for you to be able to, one, build that network around you and then two, to realize that because it is very easy for us to do things for the likes, for the fame, for the likes, for the accolades, all that kind of stuff, without recognizing that, no, this is really about my purpose. This is really more aligned to those around me. Like, as long as they know what I'm doing and they like me or they're good with me, that's what's more important than, than that external stuff. Like, I always say lead from the inside out rather from the outside is kind of how I put it. But that's not an easy state to get to. It takes some some work and some self-awareness so how was that for you to be able to get to that point then and, and and how i see it is people don't see behind the veil they don't see they see me on social media think, oh gosh look you know she's you show up you do this and i said but you don't understand what i've got to do daily to just to get me into that position i don't wake up like this there's a lot of groundwork that i have to do i have to do a lot of inner work and my inner work looks like just reading the right material. I'm very protective to what I listen to and what I watch because I know I'm a very, um, what's the word, susceptible to it. I know my character. You've got to know yourself. So I know if I watch something or if I listen to somebody and they're saying, oh, go, go to the left, and I know I should be going right, I start, you know, getting double-minded. So I have to make sure I protect what I read, I protect what I listen to, who I listen to. I don't listen to everyone. I just don't listen to everyone. And I am very careful about that because I know that I can get carried away and get that shiny object syndrome. So I, I have to do the inner work. And what the inner work as well is, I just have to take time and think, Michelle, what am I doing this for? Am I doing it for bants? Am I doing it for likes? Or am I doing it because it's going to make a real change? And I've worked out and I now know what I do for likes, because I, of course, I need to still raise my social media. And so I know exactly what I do for likes. And that behind the scenes is the hard work, it's the calls I'm making, the emails I'm sending, it's uh, having to adapt, you know, adapt what, not adapt what I believe in, because I, what I believe in is what I believe in, but I have to adapt knowing that if I need to make change, I need to get in to make the change. So if it means I need to adapt slightly, to get in, then I do that. And not everybody likes that. People think, yeah, stay authentic, stay true to your values, don't shift, don't change. I have, I've got a slightly different take on that. My thing is, my values stay the same. But if I have to adapt slightly 
to to get in, then I'm I'm willing to do that. But then people say that, oh, but Michelle, then you're inauthentic. No, because I think a, a person is made up of so many different facets and dynamics. And the most flexible person wins. That's what I've learned. The most flexible. So I understand. Do you know what? I had this mentor that used to work for this funding company called Dorrington's. He was an old white man. I He taught me so much because I used to come up, come to him like, like all happy, jumpy, jumpy. And he was like, so I had to adapt. That's what I'm talking about. I have to adapt the way I was slightly to be able to be on his level. And you know what he taught me? He's the person that taught me about being flexible and adapting. You don't change who you are fundamentally, but you have to understand and read the room. And some people don't want to play the game. I'm happy to play the game of reading the room. And once I'm in the room and my feet are firmly under the table, understand that I'm bringing change to that table. But yeah, and so I'm willing to be flexible. It is what it is. I think it's a really, it's a really good point that um, not everything's binary. And I think we're living in a work where a lot of people are trying to be like, this is black, this is white, this is it. I'm like, no, those who can learn to operate in the shades of gray are the ones that actually can get into spaces and places and do what needs to be done. If not, you're just going to alienate one whole side or one population or one whole industry. Like, there's so many different things that it just doesn't necessarily make any sense. And to the point that you were making, for me, it really stood out to me that actually a lot of that grounding comes from for you to be able to know who you are. You know what your values are. You know what you're willing to be flexible with when you're not. And if you don't have that self-awareness, that ground in the first place, that's why it's like, it's very just be just go anywhere and do it if you want. So that for me really, really stood out as you were kind of talking. And then it got me curious um, because like I said, some of your work is around raising profile, visibility, helping people to be seen. That also involves a lot of showcasing yourself whether it's on online whether it's at work whether it's a networking event which not a lot of people are comfortable doing or find it easy to do so how would you speak to someone who is struggling to navigate that who's like oh, i hate networking events but i just have to go there and, and, and talk with these people who i don't really want to be around how does someone actually be visible when they're struggling with things like that I think what it is, is owning your voice and making sure there's a space for you. That's what visibility is. If visibility doesn't mean being on social media 24 hours of the day and showing your whole behind the scenes life. It doesn't mean that. For me, it means that you need to have a voice on something, on anything, whatever it is. And make sure that your voice is heard. So the medium could be social media. And it might mean that you might just create content and your face doesn't need to always be in it but your voice is there there is something that connects the listener the viewer to who you are so but you and it's and it's about having a voice on something you have to make a mark you must stand for something that's what I mean and that's what visibility is and even many times people say oh well I'm introvert and I don't want to network for example I don't like, I don't necessarily like networking events, but what I tend to do is I go and I connect with one person. And that's really good for introverts. Connect with one person and build that connection. Then you build the relationship from there. You don't need to go around telling everyone, oh, hi, my name is Michelle. I'm the CEO of the People's Partner and I help leaders elevate their emerging leaders by A, B and C. You don't need to go around and we're, we're always told to know what your pitch is. But when you're talking to real people, you don't do that. And they say, when you're in the when you're in the elevator with a CEO, and I'm not going to do that. Let me tell you how I, I connect with people, which is authentic to me. I connected with someone from Cisco. He is actually the head of supplier diversity at Cisco. And I went into deals. I said, hey, H-E-Y, hey. And I said, I've been looking at your stuff and I just read your report. I need you. When are you free to chat? And he says, sure. When are you free? I didn't do the whole elevator pitch. Once we get speaking, I can say, this is what I, you know, this is what I want from you. This is what I do. And this is why I think it would be beneficial for you to be a part of the journey I'm going because it fits very much 
into the strategy that you put out last week. So that's how I do it. So when we're talking about visibility, it's about being very true to yourself, how you connect with people, how you engage with people. And it's making sure you have a voice on something and you make that space. You make that space and you own that space. If someone says, but Michelle, that's, that's not professional. What do you say to that? Yeah, I get told this all the time. I get told this all the time. But I'm, he- I'm here to break what professional looks like. Because I noticed when I was sending my professional emails, or my pro- I don't get anything. I didn't get anything. But yet I've had booked calls with three large brands based on just doing a bit of research so I know what they're working on and I can identify and spot the gaps and say, listen, I've just been on a website. You've released this press release. Great. I love it. But you've, you'll missed out something. Are you open to having a 15 minute conversation with me to, for me to let you know what you've missed so you can fill the gap and then I can let you know what you can do for me? That's how I do it. It's not, it's not the templated pitch that everyone talks about. Because I really do believe that when you know you have something to offer and you go to these companies or these people with the arc, they are open to hearing it. If you haven't already, can you please follow the podcast? It really helps us grow and it tells the apps that it's a podcast worth listening to which the fact that you're listening to means that it is and other people need to know about it. In Apple Podcast, if you click the three dots in the top right of your app, look for the follow button and click on it. And in Spotify, the follow button should be just below the show's artwork. Now let's get back into today's episode. When you think back to you, you've been able to then break that down the way that you've just done it, articulate really, really well and leans out as authenticity. Does that like someone that come from your HR background where you understand companies and you understand what to look for and that's the led you to be able to have this way of looking at things or is there something else? No, I think it's very much lends in to the, my HR, working at HR for over 20 years and understanding how organisations operate. But also my background in neuro-linguistic programming has helped immensely because that has taught me that everybody has a different vision of how they see the world and how I see the world is not how other people see the world. And, and it's also allowed me, and there's, there's a, a piece of work in NLP called perceptual positioning. I actually move into a position where I can see what they need. So I don't need from what I want. And I lead from what they need and I just put a sprinkle of Michelle on it. That is all I do. That is all I do. So you need to understand what your sprinkle is. What is your dynamics that you add to the table? So I can't be, you know, people say, oh, do you want to be the next Tony Robbins or the next Simon Sinek? No, I want to be the next Michelle Raymond. That's what I want to be. I just want to be me. And me looks like this. I come in this shape. I come in this box. I come with this blonde wig. That's how I come up. You like it. You like it. You don't. You don't. But that's what you're going to get. But with that, I'm still happy to adapt it, to shape it so that we can build that rapport. But as soon as I'm in, I'm bringing you to a new journey. What's been some of, I want to say, your biggest challenges then in navigating this space according to organizations in trying to make the change because now you're in there now you're seeing it now you there's a lot more stuff you're seeing behind the curtain that's never visible to the rest of the world so it's been some of your biggest challenges and then how has that sometimes gone against or if it has your values yeah i think uh the biggest challenge i've seen is they see me as almost like a one-man band and they see a young black woman what does she know about this that's that's the sometimes a feeling I get so what happens is I will go in I will have the conversation online we always start online either in the dms or by email and then I get them on a call and I like to do a video call so that they can just I'm building that no like and trust factor 
And then sometimes they're like, what, what do you know about this? You, so I, I'm now doing a lot of work in the supplier diversity space. And one, I think only one person is like, but I haven't seen you at all of these large events. You're not part of this membership. You're not. So I said, no, I'm not. No, but I'm coming from a different angle. I, I, and I almost always have to prove myself. I find that I happen to always prove myself uh, because I go in through the diversity and inclusion lens. So I usually go in as a keynote talk speaker or doing training and uh, facilitation. And I then I slightly agitate the company to say, it's good you're getting me in to do this and brilliant. But if you want to be a truly diverse and inclusive organization, it has to be a whole full circle. It's got to be part of your ecosystem, which means are you also uh, buying from diverse suppliers or are you just only buying from the white big organizations? So that's what I challenged them. And then they're like, but what do you know about this space? And I said, what I know about this space is the diversity and inclusion. You want to be a diverse and equitable company, but yet you only buy from white suppliers. But yet at the front end, it looks good that you've had a black woman come in to talk about diversity and inclusion with your staff. But when the doors are closed, you're still giving your money to Accenture. You're still giving your money to Deloitte. But you, but there are other companies um, in the diverse space, in the disability space, the LGBTQ plus space, the brown space, the black space, who can do just as good, but you don't even give them a look in. So that's, that's what I'm chatting to them with. And I need them to look beyond me just being a young looking, young looking, yeah, that black female person who's just come out of nowhere, but wants to tell them how to do their job. That's, that's my challenge at the moment. And I get pushback all the time. I put a post about rejection yesterday. So I get pushback a lot. I get, oh, well, this is not in our budget, but yet you have a diversity and inclusion strategy. I'm very fine. And so I keep going back. I keep going back and I'll say, I, I need you to address this. I'll help you address it, but I need you to address it. I don't need you to only buy from diverse suppliers, but I want you to put them on the map. I want you when you're going out to market that some of your spend is on diverse suppliers because you're happy for diverse uh, people to be your customers and buy from you but you're not happy to buy from them. So that's what, that's my challenge is getting them to think in a 360. And I get a pushback all the time, all the time. And I think that's where it's like, sometimes it feels like this is long. Like this, this feels like a, it feels like a burden that if I wasn't, to your point, if I wasn't a, a black woman, I would not have to overly justify myself to you. You just be able to buy into what I'm saying and recognize the fact that I can actually do what I'm talking about. So how do you then like, don't you lead into that side of things right you know what spark the game let me keep on pushing back because i know it's in the service of my purpose and the work that i'm doing yeah i just you know i i just have to lean into it sometimes as i think you know michelle this is just the fight i've got war to go so sometimes i just pick my battles and i think probably let's leave this one but now i've noticed that where i can get leverage is getting the government involved so i am working with that some government officials on changing policy because i'm thinking now if we can change policy and get some sort of regulatory framework that these organizations have a mandate to ensure that part of their spend is spent with diverse suppliers probably that we can i can get around that way so rather than just go individually to companies, which is the fight, I can do that by going beyond and bringing the government on the journey. So I'm just looking at different ways. That's how, that's how I get over it is just, you know, get, look at other ways and think I need to think outside the box and look at other countries who've been doing this really well, like the US and bringing them on board. What can the UK learn from the US in this space? And how has it helped and how has it benefited everyone and not just one specific demographic? Stepping into, I'm interested as I have a conversation about policy just the weekend just gone. Oh, and so on, asked like, what 
or policies and stuff do you step into? And so, but if you really want to see sort of real change, you have to step into that side of it. Not like, yeah, but politics is, politics is long. Like, they just go back and forth and they don't really do nothing or say this. But then it's like a challenge where it's like, actually, that's what you think. But there's a lot of stuff that happens behind the scenes that you're not aware of. And you just see things moving and happening and it's done quietly. But it opens opportunities for other people. If you really want to do something, you need to get into policy. So when you're there talking about it, it's like, right, that was just a couple of days ago. So I'm like, okay. Exactly. And you've got to remember that change, for real change to happen, it can take years. And I think what happens, we want to see change now. And it doesn't happen like that. And it's incremental. It takes time. We need to test, measure, get the metrics, get the data and do iterative changes. So things are happening. Things are definitely happening, but me, it just, it's going to take long. It's going to take long for it to all come to fruition. Yeah, that's definitely. You get involved in the property as well. That's one, that's one, one, one of your areas. What's your take on, a lot of times people like, stay focused, stay, stay in lane, do what you're doing, don't get distracted. Well, you do a number of different things, property like property in Dubai, for example, that's a whole, a whole, a whole different continent. You know what I mean? So like, one, but how do you even get into that? But two, what's your take around the stay focused and stay in one lane? I, I, I totally agree with the stay in your lane, the stay focused. But there's another debate, multiple streams of income. Now, you can get the multiple streams of incomes in that one focus. But me, I like to diversify. I like to diversify. And you know what? The property bit is is something that I do quietly. That's like my little private bit. But my contact in Dubai, he was saying, oh, what, Michelle, why don't you talk about it a bit more? And I think, oh, my God, people got to really think Michelle does a bit of everything. And that's why I delayed. I'm not going to lie. This is why I delayed talking about it for a long time. Because it's like, oh, no, first Michelle was doing HR. And then she's doing leadership. Then she did supplier diversity. Now she's doing property in Dubai. And and that held me back. What other people think. And that had held me back. And I thought, this is my life. It's my choice. As and, and the thing is, what people like see also see, I do have teams of people, so I don't do everything myself. You know, I'm not here scratching out my head and going crazy because I'm doing everything myself. I have a team of people when I don't really do HR, but if I've got a HR piece of work, I'll pass it on to someone else. I do the lead and the leadership and diversity work I do daily. That's my bread and butter. But that comes with a team. I have a team of associates who help me deliver. Um, I have a team of associates who help me plan it out, which then allows me room to do the fun side of things that I like doing. And one of them is obviously singing, but also the property in Dubai. And I got into that because I had an investment opportunity a few years back. And I just thought, I wonder if I could really leverage this. And the opportunity came up in 2022. And he said, why don't we partner together? I have an agency already. We can partner up and we can raise, once again, it's always around visibility. That's always been my thing, raise the visibility of uh, Dubai to UK investors. Okay, let's let's look into this. And that's that's how it happened. And because I used to travel to Dubai back and forth quite often because I had a training contract out there, a leadership training contract out there, I thought, let's just put the two together. When I'm out there doing the training, I can also be selling luxury properties in Dubai. And I just love having a look at these properties. And it makes financial sense if people have money instead of them investing it and just put it in a bank put it in property and you can get like a 20 percent return on investment on most of your properties so it just makes sense to me yeah have you had anyone like saying anything to you like oh this just looks scammy or you should have been doing this all the time all the time and i totally hear where they're coming from because there's been so many scam artists and, you know, just with new things popping up, new trends, you know, like with cryptocurrency, blockchains, all of those, you know, everyone's been duped at some level. So what I I have, I feel like I've had to put my name on it and people have known me and so they trust me. So what I've done is myself, I've done the, um, my own due diligence, which means I've gone out there, I have met the, the developers I've seen the plans. 
I've seen the built properties. I've seen the properties that are yet to be built. I've seen the plans of that. So I've done my own due diligence and I've made sure that the government, the Dubai government is backing this because they don't, they do not like shame at all. And so we only work with the developers that are backed by the government because we've got that extra. So that's what, that's the reassurance that I can give to people that I want to put my name to something that I've not seen by before. I'm not going to sell you anything I've not seen or I've not had my hand in. So that's where I, I can give you reassurance, which lends to the thought that personal brand plays a very, very critical role in business relationship and transactions. Definitely. I've had people say, I'm doing this literally because, Michelle, you're involved. That's literally... And so my brand, I have to protect my brand at all costs because this is how I get people on the journey, just literally because I'm in. This podcast is sponsored by Mindset Shift, a leadership development company focused on helping you lead from the inside out and from the outside in. We work one-on-one with senior leaders in organizations. We work directly with HR and other parts of the organizations to help you create an authentic culture where your words and your values and your actions on the line will help you to navigate the complexity and the chaos that you'll experience day in and day out. And we have a couple of openings for the one-to-one coaching this year, but that's something that you're interested in. If you wanna work with a coach, who can help you navigate this year to ensure that you're intentional to take your leadership skills personally and professionally to the next level. Send me an email at hello at mindsetshift.co.uk or just go to website www.mindsetshift.co.uk. Right, let's get back into today's episode. If you were to say to start again today, how would you build your brand? That's a good one, isn't it? That's a very good question. Yeah, how would I build my brand if I started again? One thing I would do is start earlier. I, I feel like I've left it really late, really late. And so, yeah, I feel like I've got, I've got ground to make up. I, I just feel like I've been playing small. I know, I know I've been playing small. So I think what I would, if I had to redo this again, I would just have more faith in me. And yeah, and not have it, not always waiting for other people to give me the green light. That's what I that that's what I've done a lot of. I I second guessing myself, like asking other people, what do you think on this? What do you think on that? And it's good to get the advice and the guidance and the mentoring, but I I just need to trust myself a bit more because I feel like I have everything. I have all the resources I need already, but yet I've delayed. I I'm all, I feel like I'm always late to the party as well for some reason because I'm second guessing, I'm double checking, and you know I'm so risk averse to be fair. Well, actually, I think I'm it's really risk averse. Yeah, I, I double check everything. Like, I want to know everything before I get involved, and that I feel has delayed me. And I wish, and I'm working on it. I'm really working on it. I wish I was a bit more. Yeah, let's do this. Let's go for it. But me, I'm you give you present something to me. I need to check it. I need to make that sure that all the I's are dotted, all the T's are crossed, and, and so that it takes long. And I've missed out on opportunities because of that. So I just want to be a bit more balanced. If I had to do this again, I want to be more, I want to be more of a risk taker. Yeah, I would love to be. I must admit, it's, it's surprising to hear you say that because when you started the People's Partnership in 2014, that was when you got made redundant during maternity. And you didn't step into a new role. You stepped into creating a new business. That's risky. It, it, it's risky. Do you know what? It is risky. And even now, I just, even now, I look back and I'm thinking, how the hell is this did I do that? I, I, I just, I, I, I went into business straight away. No business plan, no marketing, no nothing. I just start, I started it within one week, you know? And I just thought, how do I do that? And even... I, I pinch myself and think, would I do that now? I don't know. <laughs> I think as I've got older, I've been, I feel I've been more conscious of things around me. Whereas I think 
when I was younger, I was more like, let's do this. And I, w- I want to bring that back into, into my adult life, my later adult life. I definitely want to bring that more in because I, I feel like I, I'm, even now, I feel like I've missed opportunities because I've second-guessed myself. I keep thinking, what if I'm not good enough? No one believes this, you know. No one believes this. And I tell them, and I'm telling you, it's the truth. I keep doing it and I've missed out some really great opportunities. And I I'm, I, I do pray and I say, God, let me use wisdom, but, you know, go into something and don't overthink it. But use wisdom. I still need to have wisdom. But I want to know that I, I've just gone with it. Yeah. That, uh, that's what that's what I would change about myself. Definitely. So what's the what's the big dream? The big dream, the big dream. I say the big dream is. Do you know what I would love? I would love to be the big dream for me. A personal dream is I would love to be in a position where I have led the way. It's a it's very I I I, but you see where I'm going with this. Where I've led the way to open the door so I can see that companies are using, they might go to BYP, you know, black young um, professionals. They will go to different organizations for their supplies, for their products, for their services. And I played a role in that, raising the visibility of the black-led organizations, these Asian-led organizations, these women-led organizations. And they they get their part of the supply chain that I want to be able to say I help do that I run a um, a membership called the corporate retainer and it's a small cohort of members who they are so skilled they're so experienced and I'm thinking if I can just get them in front of this company the company will definitely use them because they're innovative they think they've got such great rich ideas for companies to make the companies better but they just don't get and look in and I want to be able to say I help do that that's what I want to do I want do you know what I this is this is how I like myself and it's so weird and I know you're going to find this weird I love the films the planet of the apes you know the planet of the apes and then the rise of the apes I want to be the Caesar I want to be Caesar Caesar opened the door for the other apes and he he gave them a new way to live, a new vision, a new mission. I want to be, I want to be the Caesar to diverse business owners. That's what I want to do. Well, Caesar, Caesar also got he got also got mashup along the way. And he got mashup. <laughs> well, this is it. We we want the rewards, but we have to understand the risk, the risk and the repercussions. So I always talk about you can't always want the rewards. And not prepared for the repercussions. So I know on this journey, I'm going to lose friends. Because I can't take them all with me. I know on this journey, I'm going to get naysayers. I'm going to get people DM me and telling me that I'm this, I'm that. I think of this of myself. And and I, I've, I'm prepared for that. I'm prepared for that. Because I want that reward. So I need to be prepared for the repercussions. And not everybody wants that. Not everybody is aware of that they just want the glam and the lifestyle and all that comes with it but i know what comes with that is risk and repercussions and to your earlier point about being able to step into something that's you going in with your eyes wide open you know that this is what it's going to look like and i'm willing to try and do it but that also makes you very risky because you're not running away from the risk so you're not as risk averse as you think it might just be that in certain spaces and places, like you said, you start to second guess and you just need to be able to just take execution and just execute rather than just doing that. Yeah. And, and as you're saying that, you know, this has got nothing to do with business. I remember I was in Thailand, so I can't swim. I can't swim. I'm working on this. And I was in Thailand and we were on a boat, uh, it was a yacht, and they said, oh, everyone can come out and swim and have a look at the corals or the reefs. Now... Me, I love a yacht life, but I like to sit at the top, <laughs> innit? <laughs> the drink in your hand, relax, and look at look at look at the And this is this is how my life is. This is this is typical of my life, right? So I go in, so they said, Who wants to go uh into the water, into the sea? So my husband goes, Oh, let's let's do this. So I said, Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? 
that time I was risky and I, I wasn't thinking straight. I wasn't thinking straight. So I put on my life jacket. I went in and, you know, I had, um, I had my snorkel and I was like, then I pointed my toes because no, now I went to, I went to do this with my feet so that I can stand up. So I can stand up in the middle of the feet. Yeah. So, so I, I did this and then I couldn't feel the ground. So I pointed my toes. I, this was like over eight years ago. And I still remember it like it was yesterday. And I pointed my toes. Obviously, I couldn't feel the ground. Look at me. I'm doing it here. And I thought, and I said, Pete, I can't feel the ground. I want to walk now, but I can't feel the ground. He said, Michelle, look around you, babes. We are in the middle of the sea. And I looked around. And as soon as I, I freaked out. And I started drowning. I'm not lying. Even with the life jacket, my whole body froze. And I turned upside down like this in the water. And I screamed like a banshee. I said, get me out. Help, help. Oh, my God. People were laughing at me. They was pointing at me. And they were coming. I felt I had to be rescued and get out of the water. And that's me. Sometimes I go into things. And, and I don't, you know, look and check the surroundings. And then sometimes I just feel like, no, this is why I'm not going to do it. So that's why I'd say I, I want more wisdom to take more risks. That's what I want to do. But that, that, that particular time, that just freaked me out. And it's just stayed with me forever, to be fair. And that's why, yeah, that's, that's why I'm like I am. <laughs> As you're talking, it reminded me of, um, of Peter when he was walking the water and he took his eyes off and it started to fall. And that's what happened. But you know, you know how his story unfolded and he wanted to do amazing, great things. So that's just what I experienced, you know, get back on it. Yeah. I have role models. I have role models. Okay. And, um, I know you talked about, you have your daughter, Macy's got the 18. I'm always curious. I was ask parents this. What have been some of the biggest lessons you've learned being a parent that's helped you? Before that, I can't expect her to be like me. She's hugely independent. She definitely has some of my characteristics, like the focus and going for it. But what I wanted for her, she doesn't want for herself. And I've learned that being a parent, I have to let go. And I, f I found that really hard. Just, you know, like, so she's been applying for apprenticeships. And she's been applying for everything and applying for jobs. And I said to her, let me help you. Let me let me do it for you. I work, I work in HR. I know what to say. But she doesn't want my help. 